welcome into the Fantasy Bros NFL Podcast. I'm your host, Jason. Joining me per usual. What is up, y'all? Baby Jake. Yeah, there we go. All right. Um, so I know we did the live stream earlier today. We said that was probably going to be the last episode we do for a while. However, we can't stop the season without doing a review. So we're going to pop in here. We're going to take a look. I did not end up submitting the cash lineup that we built in the live stream today, but we're going to look through the live or the cash lineup that I did play today, and it's very similar other than a 2v2 switch out. And unfortunately, the two players I swapped out for the two players I swapped in ended up being about a 40-point difference. So if you played the lineup we built earlier today, yeah, in the live stream that we built together, sorry about that. I should have sent you the lineup that I built. But either way, we'll go through it. We'll talk about that. And then we're going to break down uh, one of my tournament lineups. Scored 194 points. Um, depending on what contest I had entered in, I probably could have made more money than I did. But regardless, I think that it's good to look at this tournament lineup. And we can just take some notes away from it, you know, see what worked, what didn't, try to get some ideas moving forward. So that said, make sure you guys subscribe to the page, smash the like button, like the video. Hit the bell, blah, blah, blah. And now here we are. We're into it. So right off the bat, we basically narrowed our cash game quarterbacks to Tyler Huntley and Taysom Hill. Neither of them performed up to par. Uh, Tyler Huntley had 9.84. Taysom had, you said he just broke 10, 10 points. Yeah, he had 10.08. And then he got injured a little after halftime. But this is what we talk about when we build lineups. Look at this. Tyler Huntley had almost a 21% ownership. So that means a fifth of the field is playing Huntley. So even though he only scored that 9.84, we don't really fall behind a ton of people because he's owned by 20% of the field. And I'm sure Taysom Hill was owned by even more than that. I don't know if – do you have ownership? I guess uh, you're not, you're not going to be able to look at this tournament no, specifically sure. anyway. Yeah, I don't think that I have access to that – and I don't want to waste time looking for it. But I can assure you Taysom Hill was owned also 20% plus. So if half the field, let's say, is playing Tyler Huntley and Taysom Hill and neither of them performed well, it's fine. It's a double up. It's a cash game. We're only trying to finish in the top half. So we're still in contention. We also played Deontay Foreman. He ended up scoring 9.4. So Snowflake underperformed. Now Jake did say, I didn't catch this. I didn't really see many of the games today, but... Jake said Foreman did score a touchdown, and then they reversed it based yeah. on a late penalty. All thanks to a defensive lineman that came into the game. Oh, I'm not even sitting in here. There we go. There we Sorry. go. Sorry. Hiding, guys. My bad. Jake was here with me, but he wasn't here with all of us. All right. He's back. But, anyway, uh, carry on. Yeah, yeah, Jeffrey Simmons, their nose guard, was in the game for their like jumbo package, and he has to report that he's an ineligible player. Um, because he's a number 90 or above. So I guess that's a rule in the NFL. I didn't even know that, but yeah. Yeah, that's pretty absurd. So there's a guy who must have been lined up on the end of the line of scrimmage, which would have made him an eligible receiver. Yeah. However, he had to report yep. ineligible. I didn't know that was a rule either. So, uh, you know, that's one of those plays. It's a guy, 5,700. I guess that's not cheap, but it's not like we're paying up for a Jonathan Taylor. We'll get to him in a little bit. So even though he's got the snowflake, 9.4, that's not going to kill you. And look at this. He was owned by 43% of the field. So again, almost half the field's playing him. So whether he had a good game or a bad game, it really didn't matter. All that matters is you're not being too different from the field. 
Um, I'm going to skip over Gibson. We'll come back to him later. Cooper Cup, 42% ownership, $9,700. So you had to pay up for him, and he got you 29 points. That's just, that's Cooper Cup. That's what you get. You're going to get that sort of return every week. He doesn't even have a flame above that. Yeah. 29 points, no flame. I mean, that's his projection true. was 27, so it's like, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Unreal. Return value. Um, we're going to skip over Marvin Jones as well for now because we're going to come back. We're going to talk about Gibson and Jones. Those were the two guys that were in that 2v2 that I switched off of. So Allen Robinson, 17% ownership. That's pretty high ownership for a receiver in a cash game. He only returned 6.2 points. And, you know, when we were building the lineup, Jake actually wanted to do Darnell Mooney, but Darnell Mooney was coming in at 5,900. So we decided it was more important just to get a piece of this Chicago pass catching team going against Minnesota's secondary than it was to play a specific receiver. So we saved $1,900 and played Robinson, who honestly, Robinson has been an elite wide receiver throughout his career. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if he's just ready to get out of Chicago, ready for a change of scenery, a new coach, new system. I don't know what the deal is, but up until this season, he has been just a locked and loaded, kind of like a Brandon Cooks type of player. Yeah. Even though he's not playing on a great team, he's going to get 10 to 15 targets a game. He's got a high floor. So this year has been, I don't know, kind of an anomaly, but we'll see moving forward with Robinson. 17% on six points. Meh. You know, we missed with that, but it also didn't kill us. He's not a 1% owned player who got his six points. So uh, Jordan Bates. Same sort of deal, you know, coming in, cheap tight end, 3K, 13% ownership. That's pretty high ownership for a tight end. He only got 1.5, so what is that, a catch for five yards? That's what he got. Um, Yeah, one reception, five yards. So it's terrible. It's a snowflake. That's not what you're looking for. But when you're playing players like that to save salaries, you hope you can make up for it with the Cooper Cups and the Jonathan Taylors, which brings us to Jonathan Taylor. We did not make up for it. Another snowflake. 36% 36% ownership, so again, that high ownership percentage means that even though he didn't perform, it doesn't kill us. And if you look at his stats, um, three receptions for 18 yards, not great. 77 rushing yards, really, he, he just didn't find the end zone. If he gets, like he's a touchdown. So. Yeah, if he gets in the end zone, that's 18 points because he was less than 25 yards away from getting the three-point 100-yard bonus. I believe he had, last time I saw the box score, he had 18 carries and three receptions so he got his 20 touches typically when jonathan taylor gets 20 touches good things happen this just didn't happen to be the game and i'll i'll finish things off here and then i'm gonna let jake take over and give us his thoughts but we went the lions this was a cheap 2400 defense that we knew would have low ownership look at this under five percent ownership and they got us a nine point flame so that's what you're looking for i, I believe cleveland's defense ended up with eight points so cleveland was 200 more expensive Owned by probably 30% of the field, if not more. And they scored one less point. So we were able to gain salary to pay up for position players. And because of the volatility of the defensive position, we still ended up scoring more points. Albeit one point, you know, I think Washington's defense had 19 points this week. So let's say you play the Washington defense. Yeah, I was like, I have that actually pulled up. Washington defense, 19, and the Minnesota defense was 18. So if you play either of those defenses... You're getting contrarian, and you end up outscoring that other defense by 10, 11 points, which 10 or 11 points, that's that's a lot of money. And another team you could have played that costs just as much as the Lions, the Dolphins. Dolphins. Put up 20. 20 points. Um, also, I believe the Jacksonville Jaguars 
playing against the Colts, mm-hmm. ended up having a good you know good game. But no one's going to predict that the Colts were playing for a playoff spot. Jaguars, you know, were essentially. I don't know why they weren't trying to lose, but if they lose, they're yeah. guaranteed the first overall pick. They end up winning the game. Fortunately for them, Detroit also won the game. Had they lost, they would have gotten the number one pick. So it, it really just goes to show the incompetence of both of these organizations. This is why they're battling for the number one pick, because they have no clue how to build a roster or compete at the NFL level. So Dang. Just blasted those guys. Well, their front offices don't. The front offices, it's, it's atrocious what they're the doing. Jaguars is horrible, yeah. That, I mean, Khan, like, he has no idea what he's doing. And then he hires people that are GMs that they don't know what they're doing. But, yeah, I, I'm not even calling any specific person out. I'm just saying the way that these organizations look no, at the track record. Look at their track record. Yeah. Um, and then look at how they handled the last week. But anyway, we're getting caught up in that too much. Jake, why don't you take over here, man? So what are your thoughts on uh, this lineup here? What yeah. we hit? What we miss? What could have we done different? What were we close on? I mean, our quarterback situation wouldn't have changed much. Your only other option that we were considering was uh, Taysom Hill. Yep. I think he got a whopping point four more. Yeah. So not a big deal. And he got injured, so you can't predict injuries. It's not that. Yeah. It's not that he underperformed. It's that he only played one half. So he's on pace for a good game. But. Yeah. Well wishes to him too, because I hope he recovers fast. It's a Liz yeah. Frank injury. They were saying. Next up, oh yeah, you had Antonio Gibson. Good play. I'd say I think he was fairly high on uh, projected points. I don't remember. I'd say ownership. Yeah, you crushed it there. Yeah, and I didn't mean to. I thought he would be higher on than that. So I guess I should touch on this quick. Um, The lineup we built earlier, we plugged David Montgomery in at running back. So when we got to receivers, we had to go a little cheaper. And we ended up going with Deontay Harris. Now, after we finished the show, I was looking at my player pool, paring it down, and Harris ended up not being in my player pool at all. So I had to get off of Montgomery and get down to a cheaper running back. I had Antonio Gibson highly rated. I did not. $1,000 cheaper? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Montgomery was 6800 so I got Gibson for 5800 And then that allowed me to get up from, what, Deontay Harris was 3200 so yeah. I got up to Marvin Jones at 4,300. And Gibson got me 25. Jones got me 21. So those were huge swings. Just that simple little 2v2. But, um, you know, when we're building cash lineups, you're looking for the highest projected points. And so what Jake and I actually discussed before recording this episode is that moving forward, we aren't going to look at the full player models. We're going to pare them down to our player pool based on the criteria that we use, that, that we do discuss throughout the episode. But our model, um, you know, the model is custom made and it's meant to tell us the best plays. And then we can also look at projected ownership, projected points, ceiling projections. So based on that information, we're going to start going through the live streams with our condensed player pools. And Deontay Harris wouldn't have even been in it had that been the case. So... Again, we would have avoided him, and without having a $3,200 receiver in, it would have opened up a lot of options here, and we likely would have ended up on this lineup because, again, it was only two different plays. But I'll let Jake run through you know, a little bit more. Receivers, uh, tight ends, what he thinks. Yeah, say, like you were saying earlier, or I think you had mentioned I was on, we were on Mooney. I was like, yeah. I just didn't believe in Allen Robinson, so I 
probably wouldn't have played. I mean, I didn't play many of my cash lineups, but Bates as well. I, I mean, tight end so hit or miss, and then like when you reflect back on what Ricky Seals Jones did for Washington, Bates like, you know, you're like he's got a shot. Like he could put up double digits. I mean, you're punting it at tight end, so there's only a few guys to even consider that were. You know, good targets this week with like Ertz and Gronk. So and and I know Bates had been touted in other podcasts and stuff throughout the week. And then look at his projected or his his actual ownership was thirteen percent, and I think that's right in line with what his projected ownership was. So that for me was kind of what pushed me over the edge with him. Um, I could have I really wanted to get up to play Ertz or even Gronk, but I'm like I can save twenty three hundred dollars, thirty three hundred dollars. And play a guy that if he catches a touchdown, you know, he just like 3x. If he just catches one touchdown, he ended up having one reception for five yards. But again, when you're playing guys that cheap, it doesn't kill you because it allows you to pay up at other positions. So even though he has a snowflake, by me playing a three grand a three thousand dollar Bates, it allowed me to get up to a fifty eight hundred Gibson Foreman who's fifty percent owned, and then I was able to get Jonathan Taylor and Cooper Cup into the lineup. So that's the thought there. I would have loved to have played Ertz or Gronk. I think anybody would. But, it, you know, what's the opportunity cost? What are you giving up? We're already playing a cheap defense and a cheap quarterback. So. Yeah, no, tight end, like, doesn't matter. One of my lineups today had uh, Brevin Jordan. He had zero points, and I still cashed that lineup. So It's volatile. Yeah. That was my cash lineup, actually, now that I'm looking at it. <laughs> Just knocked out of the park and everything else. <laughs> And that's what happens when you play a tight end who would $2,700 Brevin Jordan. So he was $300 cheaper than Bates even. Saving $300 might be worth giving up that 1.5 points. His, you know, Brevin Jordan had zero, Bates had 1.5, so neither of them are doing anything. And Jake saved $300. So he could have gotten up from Foreman to Devontae, or Devontae, Devin Singletary or Sony Michelle. So, just spitballing. I mean, again, Foreman was 43% owned. I think he was a good play, even though he has a snowflake. That's not... I mean, we won money here. We were in the money anyway. But had we not won money, I would have not put it on Foreman. Yeah. So, anyway. Uh, Jonathan Taylor is all we got left. Do you have any thoughts on him? I don't, I'm don't. i kind of tired of talking about that game. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, he just... The Colts in general, not just him. The whole Colts suck today. So, yeah. I, I mean, 36% played it, so it's a good play. Yeah. I mean, the whole field... A lot of field was playing it, so our defense, I yeah, I love it going against the grain. We're not doing what everybody else is doing. It allows us to maybe find a fifteen point play, twenty point play. You never know. It seems like every week there's a defense that puts up close to twenty, and then we have some that hit around ten, which it's got a flame. You yeah, gotta love it. Yeah, with defenses, I mean. Jesus, I, I played a defense that scored negative three the other week, and that actually kept me out of the money in a lot of triple-ups and quintuple-ups. So nine points, I mean, that's potentially 15 more points than what someone else is playing at defense. So, yeah, nine points of flame. We're happy to have it. And, again, this is a cash lineup, so there's no correlations, really. We're just looking for high floors, um, good projected points. And then, we're, honestly, I want to have, like, high cumulative ownership. So I'm playing – 43% Devontae Foreman, 42% Cooper Cup, 36% Jonathan Taylor. Also, Cup and Taylor, just two alphas this year. They have high floors, high ceiling projections. And then otherwise, you're just kind of filling in the blanks. So that's what we're doing with cash lineups. 
And when I say fill in the blanks, I don't mean lottery throws, you know, dart throws, lottery tickets, whatever. I mean, you're looking for guys like Jonathan Bates, cheap but heavily owned, right? You're looking for guys that can either return return value, essentially. Mm-hmm. So Anyway, rambling. Uh, let's take a look at that tournament lineup I mentioned earlier. So this year, I only submitted it into the quarter jukebox. Like I said, I didn't win a lot of money off of it at all, but this is a lineup that could potentially win a lot of money depending on what contest you enter it in. So again, when we do our evergreen content in the offseason, we'll talk about contest selection and basically contest strategy. But here, this is a Kyler Murray, James Conner, Zach Ertz double stack, bringing it back with Tyler Lockett. And then I have the Antonio Gibson, so a running back with the Washington defense correlation as well. Running back defense correlation is very popular. And then something unique about this lineup here is why I went double tight ends. So we're going Zach Ertz at tight end in that correlation with Murray. And then Rob Gronkowski, who was, I believe, the second highest rated tight end in our model today. So Ertz was highest, Gronk was second. Um, Jake, yeah, give us a run through, man. Let me know your thoughts first, and then I'll kind of give my thoughts. It's a baller lineup, man. I mean, you crushed it. Like you said, a lot of correlation. It just makes your job easier. You have less chances then to get stuff wrong if you just stick with your correlations. And, you know, results can end up like this. You have... Guys just going off in the Arizona-Seattle game. Mm-hmm. And then you landed, you know, the Bucks. We talked about them today with the morning one. It's like Gronk and Mike Evans are your guys there. They're going to get fed the ball. And what do you know? Gronk has over 100 yards and a touchdown. It's just, you know, we look now and it's like, we should just suck with common sense. Like, that's what it comes down to if you just think about it. Like, yeah, the game scenario is probably going to end up like this more than likely. More than likely and... It did. Like, we even said the Seattle-Arizona one's probably going to be faster pace, tends to lead to more more scores. It's mm-hmm. common to see that. Like, there's a, a commonality between that. So, yeah, man. I. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, with the 6% guys there, 6.9 and 6.5, it's like you're getting, you know, contrarian compared to the rest of the field. Yeah. Yeah, Marvin Jones, uh, I'm surprised at how low owned he was, and maybe that's because he was projected to be higher owned, so people got off of him. But at $4,300, you know, 21 points will take it. Claypool, 5,100. We all know Claypool's upside. He had a 40-point game last year. And Juju's out for the rest of the year. Steelers were playing for a playoff spot. So, yeah, Claypool made sense. Lockett as the bring back. We know that he has high upside potential, and he's only $6,400. Running backs, so with New Hopkins out and uh, Chase Edmonds, he was out this week as well. James Conner was someone, he gets goal line carries, and when Edmonds is out, he's the I three down. Know Edmonds is out, jeez. Yeah, Conner's the three down back, so he, he can catch out of the backfield, goal line carries, total package. Typically, I don't like pairing running backs with quarterbacks, especially mobile quarterbacks, but in a game scenario like this, Kyler Murray is going to have to do more than run the ball. Not game scenario, but lineup scenario. If this lineup, like if I'm going to run a tournament lineup, I need Kyler Murray to do more than just be mobile. So that was kind of the thought there. I could get Ertz, who is also a goal line threat, and potentially their number one target. You know, I know Christian Kirk we hyped up earlier, and I do think Christian Kirk is the number one receiver, but overall target, it might be Ertz. So that was especially by the red zone, too. 
He seems like yeah. the number one guy. Him or AJ Green. Yep, yep. And Connor gets the carries. So that was the thought there, getting those guys mixed in. Lockett, um, I just love Tyler Lockett as a bring-back option and even as a one-off play. We built that Seattle, you know, Arizona double stack earlier, bringing in uh, Russell Wilson, who ended up having an awesome game. He would have actually been a better play than Murray here. I would have saved, I think, $1,100, and Russ scored 10 more points than that or close to it. So, yeah, Russ would have been the play today. Lockett. I don't know how well DK did, but... Well, that would have been tough. I don't think the double stack would have worked because uh, yeah. Murray had a rushing touchdown. Or not Murray. Sorry, Wilson had a rushing touchdown. But mm. anyway, can't get enough track. Yeah, uh, Gibson, Washington defense, the Giants. You know, Daniel Jones is shut down for the year. The Giants have nothing to play for. Washington here, they're just a better team. You know, they're a better team. And look, three sacks, two picks, defensive fumble. That defensive touchdown, that's what you're looking for every week. If you can get that, you're going to get double-digit points in that flame. So looking at the lineup after the fact, yeah, it makes sense. It's like, well, those are the obvious plays. That's who you should play. But you got to figure out which double stack you're going to play. You know, playing two tight ends, that's contrarian. It's hard for a lot of people to ever even consider playing two tight ends. And then just the one-off pieces, Claypool, Marvin Jones, you know, you got to make it work. You get 60K. So to get the prices to work with the players, it makes sense in hindsight. Yeah. And that is kind of what you're looking for. You're like, okay, if Kyler Murray has a big game, who else is going to have a big big day in that game? You know what I mean? you got to figure that out. No one's going to predict the outcome, but whatever the outcome is going to be, what would be required in your lineup? And that's kind of how you need to think about this stuff. So for tournaments, you need to be sacking. You need to look for double stacks. You need to look for secondary stacks. The running back defense, that has positive correlation. Being contrarian by playing two tight ends, that has not positive correlation, but it creates an edge for you if you can get guys that have this sort of return. So playing a tight end in a stack with his quarterback, and then he gets 15 points, and then you got a flame on your flex tight end, that, that's what you're looking for in tournaments. So being a little creative, but still staying kind of within the structure. Yeah, and ma- I mean, matchups matter. Targets matter. It's like, and you know, Gronk's going to get target heavily, like we said, Ertz. So yeah, yep. super simple way to get contrarian, though, with two tight ends. Yeah, I thought this was a great week to do it. Typically, the only way I'm running two tight ends is if one of my tight ends is paired with my quarterback, or it's the bring back in a stack with my quarterback. And then the other one has to be Travis Kelsey. Basically, that's the only way I'm considering it. If it is one of those elite 7K tight ends that are essentially their team's number one wide receiver, Kelsey, Andrews, Kittle, like guys like that, they have to be one of them. And then the other one's got to be a, a correlation. Otherwise, I just can't do it. And this lineup's so different. Look, Ertz is correlated with Murray. Gronk was the highest rated tight end outside of Ertz and maybe Komet. So... Yeah, that was kind of my thought process. But a lot of people, again, would just X out. They would not ever play two tight ends. So I think that you just, you have to know why. Like, why would I not play two tight ends? Not just, I would never play two tight ends. So once you understand why, why you're doing something, then you can change it up slate by slate. Still using the same rules and the same structure. So I think I've kind of rambling at this point. I don't know if you got any other things to touch on with this. Nope, I'm settled there. Cool. Let's bring it back to the one cam. All right, guys. So that is going to wrap it up for the Fantasy Bros NFL regular season podcast. 
We might be coming out with some stuff for the playoffs. Otherwise, keep your eyes peeled for the evergreen content coming out this offseason. And then we'll jump into the underdog best ball stuff. So, I'll do it. and like, all the thumbs. And we're only all going to get better for next year. That's right. First season, guys. Give us some slack. We'll get better. All right. Thanks for hanging with the bros.